This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Welcome to the D&D World. Meet you by the art room door In a circle on the hallway floor I made up a new map last night It's got a dragon and a wizard fight Hello everybody, welcome to Save or Die Side Adventure 19 I am here, DM Carl, with our co-host DM Courtney Hi everybody Crispy isn't here today for this side adventure, but we do have some guests, Ian McGarty and Jason Rocky Gardner of Silver Boulet. Hi, everybody. I'm Ian. And I'm Rocky. Uh, well, Ian and Rocky, uh, I imagine many of our listeners have heard of Silver Boulet, but if you want to just give a quick uh, introduction to who you are and what you do in the OSR, uh, please do that. Well, I'm Rocky. Um, we formed Silver Boulet roughly three years ago uh we've produced about a dozen pdf modules and two print books so far the kickstarter creeping cold is our third print book rocky nailed that so it's i mean yeah so we've done a lot of osr we we goofed around with a lot of stuff to just let's do something in the desert let's do you know random stuff that we were just goofing with putting on but uh like Rocky's working on a mega dungeon too. That's like an ultimate or maybe penultimate goal for us company wise, but that's probably years out. Awesome. I, I have very little experience running mega dungeons, but it's something I want to uh, uh, try before too long. So uh, creeping cold is your current project and it is being funded through Kickstarter. Can you give us just uh, uh, the quick elevator pitch of what creeping cold is? Yeah, so Creeping Cold is a uh, murder mystery adventure where you are also pitted against uh, a pretty harsh environment. So you've got to figure out what's going on and who's doing it and try to survive. It's a great adventure. And what should people expect from the module? The module, we started with the environment outside. It's called Creeping Cold. So we felt that we needed very harsh cold rules. And then we have a bunch of NPCs, and it's a murder mystery, so it's kind of a couple of self-contained locations that they have to explore and find clues and figure out what's going on. There's quite a few NPCs as well, so um, he says a few, but there's you know there's a solid dozen that have pretty fleshed-out information, so a DM can run them easily. Yeah, touching on that, running them easily, we um, that was one of the more challenging design types of this this project we ended up having to do a, ch- a quick reference chart just because like you said there's about a dozen P- npcs so getting that information into the eyes and mouth of the dm quickly we had to find a way to convey that information succinctly and i think that we did a pretty good job of it i have a question for you guys i'm not typically a dm so forgive me and i did uh look through what you guys sent us before this but how does the dm determine who the murderer is and can it change from each time you run it can it be ran more than once uh so you i mean you'll probably get a 
unless it's you, I know you have a notoriously terrible memory for module squirting. So, <laughs> no. so you, I can play it could, more than once. But yeah, you would me. enjoy this every time. I, I mean, a, a solid TM will take a module they've run, and it would be easy to change who it is. But it's not set up so that that can be done. Um, unless a DM just does what we all do and tinker. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a hard thing to discuss without getting into spoiler territory. But the the motivation of the murder mystery is one that could be altered relatively easily. Um, so I, I do I do think uh, Courtney's right that you could really run this again and again and kind of just alter one or two things and make it. You know, I mean, you could switch that to someone else pretty easily. Again, avoiding spoilers. One of the nice things about having the NPCs driving the story is, as we've playtested this, different groups have latched on to different NPCs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really easy to change those motivations or those few cues and clues so that, you know, they're... they're, um, their drivers are different that, you know, whichever mm-hmm. person the, the group doesn't like, they, that, <laughs> might become, that might become the murderer, right? <laughs> We're happy with the way the NPCs turned out too. And it's, it's been telling for us playtesting when, um, like, like Rocky said, people have clear different favorites and antipathies towards people that we didn't always expect, which is funny. <laughs> uh, is there any particular NPCs you'd like to kind of just go over real quick? There's uh, a couple of families and uh, some other people to interact with. Is there anybody in particular you'd like to chat about? Well, which one's your favorite, Ian? Oh, uh, g- great. Thanks. Thanks for that, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice segment. Buy, buy him some time, Ian. Buy him some time. <laughs> yeah, right? So th- there's so many of them that I like because, like, we really, like, we added rooms. They have, their rooms have a personal touch. Like, they're pretty fleshed out, which is nice as these people get to explore the setting. Like, I, I, I really like the, the sisters. So it's a group of sisters that own this uh, inn uh, in, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I, I really enjoyed their dynamic because it's, it's like there's some deeper stuff that comes teasing out as, uh, as they go. And that was both Rocky and I writing them. So it was like it was even fun to write and explore those connections mm-hmm. with them. They were. I like the Rinalis family a lot. They, they're kind of the setup that as the adventures are getting into the snowstorm, they're the family that they run across and need to help. And it, it bringing the, the – they have – two parents and two children and bringing the, the children into the story um, make, gives it a little bit different dynamic than what you typically see in a murder mystery. And I think that that's a lot of fun. This module has rules for dealing with severe cold. I guess, how'd you guys come up with those? Like the severity, how'd you determine that? So the mechanic we use is um, for the fifth edition was a constitution save every half hour. Um, they, they get harder and harder the longer that they're outside. You know, if they're wearing metal armor, they're holding they're holding their weapon. Those there's penalties to the saving throw, and as as they're outside longer and longer, they're either going to eventually get frostbite or hypothermia. And we basically have a stat track that that brings them down to one of those two conditions. 
but it was a lot of uh, research by us too, looking at like what are the actual effects of this, and looking at a lot of terrible, terrible pictures on the internet. Yeah, and is thinking there... like, what would happen if a tiefling's tail got uh, frostbite? What would that look like? Random <laughs> races and and what they might lose, you know. So, which was fun for us too, because we're mainly like we play a lot of swords and wizardry, so we're like all these new races to kill and maim. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there is there any? I saw the warming up. And how long you had to stay inside a warm area with food to be able to get back to full health. Is there any risk for warming up too fast? We didn't write any in. Um, I, I curious. Might be a little too nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> She's breaking out her medical knowledge on you. <laughs> we all have different nerd areas. <laughs> so... One thing that's going to be of prime interest to our listeners, you mentioned being Swords and Wizardry uh, fans, there will be a Swords and Wizardry conversion of this module. Um, it's uh, kickstarted as a 5e product, and one of the stretch goals was a conversion to Swords and Wizardry. That is the stretch goal you have reached. Uh, tell us about that conversion. Okay, so um, like I'm, do I've done a lot towards the conversion that we're. I mean, we're just about there finishing it, but it's. Uh, essentially like a rewrite of huge uh, swaths of it um, mm-hmm. and, and not just like a removal and transfer of stats. Cause we wanted, um, th- especially with a murder mystery, it's tough. Like 5e was, was, you know, there's mechanics for like discovering things and in old school systems, it's truly like the interaction between the DM and the, and the player. And what are you looking at? Where are you checking? What's going on? Um, and, and, you know, that had to be really written in in a robust manner in the Swords and Wizardry conversion. And that's uh, one thing I definitely want our listeners to know is that it is a full conversion. It's not a conversion document. They will get a Swords and Wizardry version. It, absolutely. Actually, I've, I just finished a playtest of the Swords and Wizardry version last week, and it it played really well just, just working off of the 5e rules, but making it into a full sorts and wizardry module was something that we really wanted to do we we love the old school and we wanted to make sure that we could support it yeah and and rocky i mean it's confessions out there rocky has only run this in swords and wizardry even from the inception with the 5e <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think to some extent it being a murder mystery makes it easier to convert to other systems so even if you were playing bx or OD&D or Labyrinth Lord or Basic Fantasy RPG or Dungeon Crawl Classics. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to convert this just because it's it's not a giant dungeon crawl with, um, you know, you got to convert every single room to monsters and mechanics. It's a murder mystery. And so as long as you have that information, you can run it that way. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, the mechanics... We wrote it originally in 5e just because switching it over to other systems would be easier. 5e being the most robust system, it's got, mm. you know, it's got everything written out. It, it, we were able to take it from there and distill it down back into actual descriptive text instead of Thanks. mechanics. So, and, and that was something like we looked at our plan for our last adventure, which we wrote in Swords and Wizardry, was like, hey, we're gonna convert this to 5e. And we looked at it after the fact, and we're like, we like this, ouch. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't something that we could easily accomplish. So we decided to sort of flip that when we did this one. 
Yeah, and I think that's wise. You know, you, you want to start from uh, more rules. It's always easier to go from more rules to less than vice versa, to peel away those layers. I, I to some extent, I mean, I've played 5e. It's a fine system. But to some extent, I think a product like this would run better in a rules-light game because of kind of like a murder mystery dinner party. You know, you're, you're just kind of interacting and, and talking, and I think that could be a lot of fun. As opposed to making uh, die rolls to determine, you know, uh, what you know and what you can find out based on uh, whatever insight skill you might have on your character. Yeah, and that's and we find that too that like people will find out more from role playing interactively with different characters in this um, than they will from from rolling the dice. And I'm not trying to knock 5e. I mean, I, I think you could you could run it that way with 5th edition easily. You know, I mean, that's just a DM style at that point. Um, I do think there's a there's a kind of an expectation to rely on dice rolls in uh, modern games. And I do want to talk a little bit about this. You kind of got some pushback when you, as an OSR publisher traditionally, uh, did a Kickstarter for a 5e product. I do not consider... So full disclosure, I do not consider 5e OSR, but I know many people feel OSR is a matter of play style and a matter of um, the expectation of the table and a matter of uh, presentation. What are your thoughts on that and uh, presenting something within 5th edition as somebody who typically uh, is known as an OSR publisher? Well, I'll go first. Um, I find that 5e is an OSR system just with a bunch of optional rules bolted onto it. So if your GM is willing to take off those optional rules, 5e runs an OSR-style game just fine. You have to adjust the experience a little bit, and the CR rating of the 5th edition is wonky, so you've got to fix those two things to get it to a true osr system but i think that 5e runs it fine but i still prefer the less dice the more interaction from person to person as as a way to play yeah and i mean cough dungeon-esque cough is is like mm -hmm. uh, basically a stripped down 5e too which is a great system we had the 5e isn't a bad system i i play a lot more than rocky does but um uh, i definitely think like anything when you start adding skills and such to it it um it, it definitely changes the game and you can ask rocky when we play i get even get annoyed with like swords and wizardry and and old school like first edition when they, they start adding skills in i'm like there's no skills what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey you're singing my song <laughs> like like i was clever and i asked the right question i should get the right answer without a dice roll <laughs> i agree <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, no, and I agree. I think 5e is a great game. I have nothing against uh, 5th edition. I just, uh, I, I don't, I don't think of it as OSR. And, and with adjustment, sure. I, I, could, yeah. I, I could see the root of it uh, getting there. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that's not neither here nor there. I mean, you're, what I guess more what I'm getting at is, you know, uh, many OSR publishers support 5th edition as well. To me, that is a fine and good thing to do. I don't see any adverse effects from that. And I think all it will end up doing, the net positive of it will be bringing people to the OSR table. Because if somebody checks out Creeping Cold 
and runs it for their fifth edition game and sees that they have a swords and wizardry version or see that the other products you have worked on is a swords and wizardry or other osr um, applicable product that's just possibly bringing them to a table that they weren't necessarily going to get at any other way and we're at this point forcing the swords and wizardry version into the hands of everybody <laughs> who's getting the 5e pdf too so uh yeah that's maybe that's our subversive marketing with that but uh and, and we found it like a lot of companies are doing these quick conversions that like i've played um with both systems and like i think for us it was really important to make both of them equally good standalone adventures and not mm-hmm. pale shadows of what we, we wanted as either we, we truly wanted like each each adventure to be robust and standalone and um, I think that's the challenge when you're doing two systems, too. Like the fans of each system deserve the best module that we can give them. If if they're brave enough to support our Kickstarter, we need to give both of these groups the best mm-hmm. product we can. That's that's important to both Ian and myself. Um, is there anything that y'all want to talk about that we have not uh, spoken towards yet? Uh, just boulets. We could talk about them all day. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll, I'll add something to that, that uh, just in regards to that, if every, the people argue about the pronunciation, but if you look in the original publication, there is a pronunciation guide in there in parentheses, and it's it's very clear that it's Boulay. So the thing is, um, when it came out, Dragon Magazine number one, and it says pronounced Boulay in parentheses, uh, the parenthetical note, there, there was a time when it was bullet. That was true. That it was that, but that's not the same creature. It's not a burrowing war shark. It's a, a a different creature altogether. That's an excellent fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's based off of um, Skydon from Ultraman. So the China Soar, as they're called, I, I as far as I can tell and discern, is is a knockoff Skydon from Ultraman. Yeah, as far as I can tell, that's accurate. Some more boule facts. <laughs> That's what, <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to have to join you for a boule show. Yeah. <laughs> People will be like, what did they? You know, I don't know everything about role-playing games, but that's one we know a lot about. <laughs> All but right. yeah, please back the Kickstarter. We, we appreciate any time, and um, we hope people enjoy the adventure. Well, it looks really cool to me. I'm actually uh, uh, considering... Uh, Using, I'm running a fifth edition D and D camp at a local gaming store for uh, kids wanting to learn and get into D and D. And I, I was looking at your module that uh, that the document that you sent us, and I was thinking, man, this really might be good for that because there's there's a lot of RP, there's a lot of uh, it's a contained adventure, uh, and it's um, segmented by days. And so I could I could do something where the days of the camp correspond with the days of the adventure. Yeah, that would be a really cool idea for it. That'd be super cool. And it's, I mean, and they wouldn't be bored too. There's still some combat and fights in it. So right. it's not, um, it's not a straight, straight tea party. So they, they still get to fight and possibly die. Well, if you do it, you'll have to let us know how it goes. Sure. We'll do. We just want to thank Ian and Rocky for visiting with us about their new module. And the, in the show notes will be, a link for you guys to go and back them and get this awesome module. Since I've already seen it, I know it's going to be great and I can't <laughs> wait to play it. So everyone go click the link and support them and RPG games in general. 
Thanks for being with us, guys. Thank Thanks you. a lot for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. The Savor Die Podcast is a production of Wild Games Production, and it's produced for entertainment purposes only. The music used in the intro and outro is by Tripod and used with permission. Be sure to visit the Savor Die crew at saverdie.info for more information. If you'd like to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com slash WGP. Nothing new, who's all